Hey guys, welcome back to the Father's House Podcast. In this episode, we had Pastor Mike Cisneros preach on what it means to be a peacemaker and just give us wisdom in forgiveness and understanding of others. And it's a good message. Hope you guys enjoy. If you want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. So, at the Father's house, man, it feels good to be back up here. I don't think I've been here in like, I don't even know. Y'all thought I quit, didn't you? You thought I was just gone. Some of you were excited. I'm just kidding. And so anyway, it feels just really good to be back in the pulpit. It feels good to be back at the Father's house, even though we have a lot of people sick right now. Can we just pray for a moment? We just, we just, we just speak Jesus over every uh, sickness and virus, and bug, and whatever else, God, it could be. We just speak healing and wholeness over my family, over everyone's family who's sick this morning. And God, we just pray, we plead the blood of Jesus over all of our households, just a radical breakthrough and speedy recovery in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I got three sick at my house right now. Actually, maybe four. I'm not real sure, to be honest. Elena's kind of on the, we don't know what's going on. So Mercy, my oldest daughter, is a lot like me. So if she gets really sick and then she takes Motrin or Tylenol, then all of a sudden she thinks she's better, right? Any other overachievers out here or doers don't know what to do, do with themselves? Patrick, I'm sure. I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. I took six Tylenol. I'm ready to go. That's how Mercy is. She's like, oh, I feel good. I'm like, no, no, no. It's just medicine, right? Anyway, so our house is kind of wild right now. Me and Carter are still doing good. Come on, somebody. Amen. Usually he's the one sick. So, hey, at the Father's house, we are a healthy home for the city. That means that we desire your personal growth and your personal health more than we desire anything else from you. Let me say that again. We desire your personal growth and your personal maturity, your personal emotional health, uh, uh, spiritual health, honestly, and your physical health. I don't think that should be thrown outside of the things. We, we, we want that more than we want anything else. We want to see you grow up in the Lord. We want to see your families restored. We want to see your marriages strong. We want to see you be great moms and dads discipling your children. We want to see you grow healthy and mature in God more than we want anything else, more than we want 100,000 people serving and whatever else it is. We want to be healthy home. We want to, we want to be something that actually the lost and broken can come into and they can find freedom. They can find something that has hope for their lives, amen? We wanna be that church where we're like, hey, you know what? I, I was struggling too. I had all kinds of issues. My marriage was falling apart, but then I came to the Father's house and God got a hold of me and God's redeemed us and God's restored us. And we wanna be that place. And we wanna, you know, you know how you break shame? You know how you break shame? Because some of us, we've all done screwed up stuff, right? We've all been immature. We've all been stupid at times. The way that you break shame is that you tell your story. You keep telling your testimony. You keep telling about how, you know what, I was addicted. I was screwed up too. I was prideful. I was all of those things too, but God has really changed me. Amen? The devil wants you to, to be quiet. Did you know that? He wants you to be quiet. He wants you to be ashamed. He wants you to feel ashamed of the stuff you've been through. Instead of saying, hey, you know what? This is all the junk I've been through and look what God's done in it. Right? We want to bring God glory. Can you turn me up just a little more, please? Thank you. 
All right, so if you're new here, please fill out a connection card, especially if you've gotten saved. We got a new uh, Believer's Handbook. We got a Purple Book. We got a Holy Spirit Book. Some of you are like, man, I'm Baptist. Uh, uh, I'm Catholic. Maddie's grandpa, he, he grew up Catholic, then he turned Baptist. He says he's a cactus now. All right, that's a dad joke for you. So a lot of you laughed. I appreciate that. <laughs> I love the people that say, oh, I'm Bapticostal. Hey, whatever. We, we believe the Bible at the Father's house, amen? We believe all of it. We're not throwing any parts out. We're not putting any parts to the side. We're believing all of it. So uh, sign up for the journey. If you're new here at the church too, we'd love to get you involved, love to get you to join the church. Uh, we always say, you know, try our church out three times. Try every church out at least three times. And we just want you to be where God wants you to be, amen? So if God's leading you here, uh, I have so many people, they go through the journey like, well, I'm Baptist, but man, I know God's leading me here. Well, God knew we weren't Baptists when he started leading you here. <laughs> it's kind of quiet in here. Some people, all right, that's fine. Nothing against the Baptists. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Josh, what's up, bro? Good to have you here, dude. Man, I just noticed you in here. So good to have you, bro. Awesome. Is Byron here? Nope. Okay. Man, praise Jesus. Man, the Lord is good. Shoo. Oh, man. It's good to have old friends in the house. Um, good to have Cody in the house, my man. Sandy, his mom, been praying for me since I was probably six years old. <laughs> praying for all of us. Thank you. It worked. Amen. Amen. So this morning, um, I'm going to preach for about an hour and a half and uh, see how much y'all really love Jesus, really. See how much y'all, some of y'all were down here shouting and jumping. We'll see if that continues. Um, <laughs> so anyways, I was praying, and uh, let's just pray for myself and the rest of the service for a moment. Jesus, we love you. I just pray that you'd be glorified. I pray, God, that you would anoint me just to speak as you would want me to say the word that you've given me for this season, for this day, for this hour. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give your people ears to hear and eyes to see. That, Lord, they would open their hearts, open the eyes of their heart to receive. Like we just, like we just prayed earlier, oh, heart, receive. Can you just put your hand on your heart? And just say this out loud. Say, heart, receive. Amen? Come on, isn't that good? So anyways, I was praying, and I was asking the Lord. Uh, I, have, I have a notes in my phone. Maddie kind of gets on to me um, because I just con God's constantly speaking to me. And let me go ahead and say this. That's normal, okay? It's not normal if you never hear God speaking to you. It's actually very normal that God is speaking all the time. Why? Because he says, lo, I will be with you always, right? He'll never leave you, forsake you. So I'm not trying to get his attention. I'm not trying to get him to come be. You know, we say prayers that aren't biblical. God, be with my son today. Oh, I thought he said he's never leave us or forsake us. Everybody's like, mm, come on now, pastor. How about we, we start to pray, God, I thank you that you're with my son today. I thank you that you go before him, you stand behind him, you guard him, you're blessing him, and your angels would send. I pray that God would send angels with my family today, amen? Because I know God's already there. So I was praying and I was asking God, I know the holidays are coming up. Is that Thanksgiving this week? So I'm gonna preach a sermon this morning on gluttony. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding, which I probably should, honestly, because in the church, we, we love to pick our sins and which ones we like and which ones we don't like, which ones we yell on Facebook about and which ones we keep quiet about. I'll, I'll move on, I'll move on. Um, 
Maybe I won't. Oh. <sighs> Being believers, we have to be consistent. We got to be consistent. Because the world is looking for something genuine. And I'm going to say this. The, the enemy is looking to point out whatever little nonsense the church is being inconsistent in. Right? And then he gives us opportunity to be what? To be humble and just to be open. So here we go. So I was praying. I was like, God, what do you want me to talk about? And I felt the Lord. He's given me a word about this a long time ago. I just haven't ministered, just haven't preached before uh, about what it means to be a peacemaker. Somebody say peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 9, Jesus is speaking, the Sermon on the Mount. Has anyone seen The Chosen, the new one yet? Raise your hand. You guys are awesome. Everyone else, go watch it. I'm pretty sure there's uh, its openings today, I think, and tomorrow, and I think maybe the rest of this week. If you haven't even watched The Chosen at all, watch The Chosen. It is amazing. It is a beautiful story and depiction of Jesus. It is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Season three is out. Get online. Start watching The Chosen. It is wonderful. Season three, the first two episodes are out in theaters. But anyways, in season three, he's going to start talking about the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're here in Matthew chapter five. But he says, blessed, Jesus is speaking, and they call it the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, or they shall be called children of God. 1 Peter 3, verse 11, it says, he must turn from evil and do good, talking about all Christians, all believers, and it says he must seek peace and pursue it, okay? So peace is something to be sought and something to be pursued after. Are you following me this morning? Did you notice that Jesus did not say, blessed are the peace keepers, but he said, blessed are the peace makers, all right, we'll get there in just a moment. So I started thinking about as we approach Thanksgiving and we approach the holidays, and I started thinking about all the awkwardness we're all about to walk into with family. <laughs> Glory to God. And I started to think about, oh, you know, you got, the, you got the cousin that you don't like, that you ain't liked in years. You know, you got the aunt that cussed out your mom a long time ago at Christmas, right, that she's going to be there, and, it's gonna, and then you got the drunk uncle, maybe, that's going to show up drunk at one time. Maybe you're that drunk uncle. <laughs> we love you. Jesus loves you, and you can get set free, amen? I used to be the drunk uncle, actually, maybe, at one time. Diamond says yes. Diamond actually found, this is embarrassing, but I'll just do it and say it anyways. Diamond was watching, don't post this on Facebook, I hate you, but... Diamond was watching one of their old Christmas morning videos, family videos, okay? And Diamond was crazy enough to let his wild brother live with him at different times. I don't know if God ever told you to do that, but thank you. Um, <laughs> it was a wild moment. I'm like, why are you letting me live here? But anyways, and he's showing me this video, and his, it's Christmas morning. His kids, they're opening Christmas presents. They're excited. And then the, the, the film pans over to the couch, and I'm just free, I'm folded on the couch. Some of y'all know what that word means. I mean, I'm just dead. I'm probably, my mom's prayers at the time were literally keeping me alive. And I'm literally just passed out, hanging off the side of the couch on Christmas morning. And his kids are just like, woo, hopefully. I don't, hopefully they don't even remember. I know they probably don't even remember that. You don't remember that, do you, Jonah? Praise God. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Diamond does. <laughs> 
you know, so there's <laughs> some awkward holidays coming up maybe for some of you. I used to be the, one of the culprits of some of the nonsense. You know, I, my, my family was lucky to get me to show up to anything for hopefully even just a little bit of time. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is um, a lot of times we're walking into some very uh, awkward situations because we have not put forth any effort to actually make peace. And then we say things like this. We say things like this. Well, we got to keep the peace. This is a good word. Let me tell you something. That's not peace. That's a false peace. Let me say it again. We got to keep the peace. I can't sit down and talk to my brother that shows up drunk every time. I, can't, I don't need to have that conversation. with. How many of you know that five minutes of awkwardness is better than 25 years? And God, not only is he um, suggesting, but he's saying blessed. In, in a sense, he's saying there's a blessing attached to this when you make peace. And there's probably something else attached to it if you don't. You gotta be very careful when you're not making peace that you're actually creating an atmosphere for bitterness. And then you're saying, we gotta keep the peace. Don't say anything to them. Don't say anything to her. And I'm not saying bring things up at Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> man, man, pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to tell grandpa off this Thanksgiving. It's on right in the prayer time. Then you start, some of y'all pray passive aggressive prayers. Don't do that. Father, would you please touch uh, John right now and, and help his attitude. And we just pray you'd set him free this morning. And don't do that. That's hurtful. We don't need you to passive aggressively to pray for me. Right? Y'all are laughing because y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are straight face right now because you're like, oh man, this is very accurate for my life. <laughs> this word this morning is meant to be challenging for all of us. All of us. Because we have to understand that that's not a real peace. That's a false peace. But most of us grew up, a lot of us grew up with parents who didn't understand. I would say almost everyone sitting in this room grew up with parents who did not understand how to have healthy conflict resolution. And then we're wondering why we still don't know how to have healthy conflict resolution and our kids still don't know how to have healthy conflict resolution. And some of you might be saying, well, how, what does this have to do with the Bible? It has everything to do with the Bible because he says, Jesus says, you will know them by their love. For who? For one another. And how are we supposed to love one another if we're holding bitterness over one another and we're keeping peace? It isn't actually peace at all. You're just acting like nothing ever happened. And we grew up in houses where we got mad at our sisters. We got mad at our dad. Something wild happened, got crazy. We all yelled at each other. We got wild, whatever. And what did we do? We separated, go let off the steam. Man, I freaking, whoa, I hate them. And then what'd you do? Go back and act like nothing ever happen and then you say things like this well we just keeping the peace there hasn't i'm gonna say this with all love and grace in my heart there hasn't been peace in most probably all of our family for a lifetime and god is wanting to let you and walk in this and become a peacemaker for your family yeah, it's quiet in here i got three amens on that one not at thanksgiving unless an opportunity arises 
privately. We'll get to that in a moment. But this whole idea that we, we get mad at each other, yell and fight in our marriages and then come together and act like nothing happened is not peace at all. That's not peace. That's not what it means to be a peacemaker. That's a false peace. It leads to bitterness and leads to, literally breaks unity. And when there's a unity, the Bible says, blessed God, God is pleased when we dwell together in unity. And I would even take it a bit further. It says on Acts chapter two, it says they were all gathered in one accord. If you really wanna see revival, you cannot live in a place with your brother and sister where you're still holding things against them. I wanna see revival, God's gonna move, da 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 da. You still got a lot of people you need to make peace with. That's why it's so important, especially in the house of God, that we go to one another. So we'll get to that in just a second. So this is a false peace. And let's just be honest. You're gonna be walking into Thanksgiving and all these words are gonna come very true real quick. <laughs> and you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, there's my sister I ain't seen in a while. Ah, man, I still hate her. <laughs> and then God's like, oh yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> mm. And let me say this too. Those of you who are closing yourself off from self-protecting from everyone and just not trusting people and you're just constantly pushing everybody away. I gotta stay in my bubble. Let me, let me say with all grace and love this morning, you're not actually loving people. Because love is a risk. God is love. He put himself out there. He put himself out there knowing people would reject it. Think about this. Not only did he not... Not only did, was there a chance of betrayal, he knew there was gonna be betrayal. And what did he do? Hey, let's wash your feet. I was watching a message the other day. You wanna know how to actively just love on someone? You serve them. It could be as simple as you getting people's plates this, this Thanksgiving. You going around and serving the house like never before. That's how you let people know that you love them. You serve them like Jesus did. He said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We have an opportunity these holiday seasons to serve our families, especially the ones who have mistreated us, who've lied about us, who still gossip about us, whatever. We have an opportunity to put on the mantle of Jesus and be like Christ and be selfless. Isn't that amazing? We're called to this. And so we gotta get past this while we fight and then we act like nothing happened. That's not healthy. And if, you, if you're doing that, go to our marriage coaching, get in marriage ministry and start to change. Let your kids see you apologize to your spouse. You know how far apology can go? I've been saying this for years from a dad or a mom. Let's say your kids are already grown up you know, how, you know how far an apology can go? I've seen people upset with each other for years and years and years finally make peace. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, you know? And so, anyways, I know this is a little, a little tough for us this morning, but it's gonna be okay, all right? Because we don't wanna be, don't, don't, you know, some of you are gonna be the fake one this holiday, you know? Oh, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? You don't mean that, right? People say, well, I don't need freedom. Oh, yeah, we do. We need to get rid of bitterness, any room for any of this stuff, because if we want to walk in freedom, we want to walk like Jesus, we've got to be peacemakers, not false peacekeepers. Amen? 
This stuff ain't easy, but actually Jesus never said it'd be easy. All right? So we're also called to live at peace with each other, right? So Romans 12, 18 says, if, this is my favorite part, if it is possible, look at this part, as it depends on you, I like what the another version says here, if it is possible on your part, okay? Some of you are saying, well, they ain't gonna listen to me. They're not gonna listen to me if I talk to them. They're, they're never gonna listen. We have to drop the nonsense, and the lies that God can't get a hold of our family members, that God can't get a hold of our marriages, that God can't get a hold of our friends, that God can't get a hold of our city. I mean, how far are we gonna let the unbelief go? One thing that Chris Donald, when he was here, he said, it's time to believe again. And I, forgot, I think he forgot to talk about a few things, but he said, when we say things like God's gonna save your family, there's no faith. Man, God's gonna save your brother, the one that's the biggest drug dealer in town. And you're like, yeah, we'll see. And here we are this morning praying, let faith rise up, oh heart, believe. And I love what Christine Kane says. She says, we need, we need more believing believers. Right? A.W. Tozer says, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. And tell them. <laughs> if possible, as far as it depends on you. What does that mean? That you, can, you have to be the one who puts forth some effort and it's not based on how they're gonna respond, how they're gonna receive it. That's not up to you. But blessed are the peacemakers as much as it depends on you. Well, they didn't listen to me. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. You did as much as you could on your part. How many of you know there's no failure in obedience? There's no failure in obedience. God wants me to share the gospel with someone. They don't receive the gospel. I did not fail. God wants you to have a hard conversation with someone, which I know he does, because he says it right here. If it is possible on your part, live at peace with everyone, with everybody, okay? So this is gonna go for a twist here in a moment, but obviously we can't force people to receive us. Obviously we can't force family members to do that, but you can get out of your way and say, let's have a meeting. Matthew 18, verse 15. Let me give you another scripture this morning. If your brother sins against you, go and tell everybody about him. <laughs> if your brother sins against you, go and gossip and make a real passive aggressive post on Facebook. How about this? I'm gonna say it. If your brother sins against you, just go and tell your therapist. I'm not saying you don't need to do that as well, but the Bible says go and tell him. Okay, between you, listen, this is my favorite part, between you and him alone. Here's the good part. If he listens, <laughs> might not. I'm gonna tell you right now, there were so many times in my life where Diamond would confront me about being an idiot, right? <laughs> and he would say, Mike, what are you doing? What is, you know, basically like, you're throwing your life away. You have a, you have a child now. You're, not, you're still on drugs. Like, what does it mean? You need to stop this. Da, da, da. And he was doing the right thing. I was hurting the family. I was hurting him. And he's confronting me and saying, hey, stop. What was I? But I didn't listen. It's not up to Diamond whether or not I was going to listen. It's not up to you. But if he listens, here's the good part. You've gained your brother. I listened finally. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But here's the, here's the beauty of it though. In this waiting game, 
of you all keeping false peace, you're also losing faith that God's ever going to do anything. I know. And then we, you got to understand something. We have to have, we have to be a people of hope for everyone. And that includes your family. That's quiet in here. It's easier to believe for my family if I called you, hey, man, we pray for my brother? Y'all be prophesying and everything. Oh, God, he can touch him right now where he's at. God, we bind that spirit. Da, da, da. And it's about your brother. Well, we'll see. Woo! I doubt it. What? I believe Jesus, man, I believe Jesus has faith that everyone can come. And I believe we're supposed to do what? What's our position? To wait in hopeful expectation. Let me say that again. Hopeful expectation. And that song we were singing, that's what I start to remind myself, let faith rise up. And I start to immediately ask the Lord, God, what are things that I'm, I stop believing for? What are things I'm struggling to believe for right now again? God, let faith rise up in me. Let faith rise up. Oh, heart, believe again. And we say things like, God's gonna bring revival in this church. And we're like, eh, we'll see. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. We gotta have hopeful expectation that God is actually gonna be God and he's actually gonna answer our prayers. Amen? Amen. If your brother sins against you, go to him. And actually the next verse says, if he doesn't listen, take someone with you and go back. Right? We've had this happen in the church over the years. People are walking in a, just a crazy sinful lifestyle. We've gone to them. They have not received it. We took somebody else with us. They have not received it. You know what the next, man, next verse says, then take him before the church. Whoa, we would think that's radical these days. Hmm. Hmm. So let me answer this question. How do we go to our brother? This is very important. You have to go in love. You have to go in love. If you're not going in love, you need to stop, retreat, turn around, work on your own stuff, do some forgiveness, go to freedom. Okay, now I can go. <laughs> because if, if you don't have hopeful expectation, you're not actually believing God for touch sin, and it's not gonna do you any good to go, because then you're just going to start a fight. And there already was a fight, now there's gonna be another one. But we go and we go in love. I had a pastor friend one time tell me I was struggling with a guy in my life and um, I had a pastor tell me, he said, Mike, he said, until, he said, if your heart is, well, somebody needs to tell him, he said, then you don't need to tell him. I said, dang. He said, but until your heart can be, man, I want nothing but the best for him and his family. I want to see him, Jesus touch his life. I want to see God really reckon. I believe I'm in hopeful expectation until you can get to that place. You don't need to talk to him at all. Can I be real with y'all? I will, always. It took me about three and a half months. Because my heart was hardened. You know how hearts get hardened from not dealing with conflict and living in a false peace. I know it's challenging this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. You can look to Owensboro Christian online today and they will have a beautiful Thanksgiving message for you guys. <laughs> 
This is what God told me to talk about. You can take it up with him. And I was like, oh, it's a perfect time for this message. <laughs> it's a perfect time to be peacemakers for our, in the holidays. Amen? And it might, you might not be ready for this. It might, not, it might take you three months. It might take you six months. It might take you to after freedom. That's totally okay. But let that be your pursuit. Like that verse says, seek peace and pursue it. Amen? All right? So have your heart in the right place before you go. Don't go there and be like, someone needs to tell him he's being an idiot. No. Someone needs to tell her. No, 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 no. I care about them so much. I don't want them to continue in this. Amen? Also, let me give you some uh, simple things. Uh, one of the biggest eye-opening moments in my life was realizing that even when someone has done me wrong, by me withholding forgiveness, now I'm doing something wrong. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm the victim here. God, let's rewind this. Rewind this whole thing. God, I'm the victim. I'm, I'm telling you about what was done to me. And then God's like, yeah, but now you're withholding forgiveness. And now you're doing something wrong as well. And I'm like, hold on a second. Doesn't that person need to repent? And God's like, hey, what does it have to do with you? I'm only gonna answer to him. When I stand before Jesus, it's gonna be me and him. It's not gonna be me and my wife. It's not gonna be me and my family. It's not gonna be me and anybody else. And I'm gonna, he's gonna hold, I, that, that, I'm gonna be right between him. And he's gonna say, literally, he's not gonna judge me for my sin, but we will be judged for what we did and do, did or didn't do on the earth. We're not gonna be judged for our sin. That's good news if you're born again. Excuse me for somebody misquotes me. But it's like, man, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent. Hold on a second. I was the one that did something wrong and then I had this guy tell me and then I had to repent. God, forgive me for withholding forgiveness from someone. That's humbling, isn't it? I can tell you right now, God is always wanting to, God is always wanting you to walk through the doorway of humility in every circumstance. Because it's a lot easier to confront someone when you realize you've also done something wrong. <laughs> oh man, I've been holding unforgiveness. I'm sorry, forgive me. And some of you, that's what those conversations need to be like. Let me give you some little examples quickly on how to talk to someone about conflict resolution. How many of you ever heard of I messages and you messages? Raise your hand. For an example, a you message is, you're an idiot, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you're mean, you're hateful, you're bad, you're evil. Here's an I message, you ready? It really hurt my feelings the way you talk to me. It really made me feel just really degraded earlier when you walked in the room. Instead of, you're an evil person. <laughs> You want to use you messages, you just might as well put the gloves on. You know what I mean? And it's okay. Well, if you go say, man, I, I was really hurt by the way you talked to me earlier. I was really hurt. Well, I didn't mean to talk to you that way. Remember, you can only do what you can do on your part. Right? Okay. They didn't receive it, that's okay. Right? But I'm doing whatever I can do to pursue peace. Amen? Amen. So, I know what is quiet in here today. Glory to God. So peace will bring unity to the family. It also will bring unity to this church. Amen. If you're offended with somebody and you're on a serving team with somebody in this church, the Bible says go to them. Because y'all are just sitting there serving together, still acting like everything's okay, and it's not. Humble yourself. Get your heart right. Go talk to people. Amen.
Amen. This is what revival actually looks like. Revival doesn't look like, man, I'm just gonna say this. Revival doesn't look like everybody falling on the floor. I've seen people fall on the floor my whole life and get back up the same way they were before they fell down. And I'm not saying God can't do something in a moment like that. That's not what I'm saying. I've been with Juan Guadarrama in Lexington, Kentucky, folded over in a pew, laughing and crying. I couldn't even drive. I was so drunk in the Holy Spirit. He was there. And then we did what every drunk people should do. We went to Waffle House. Some of y'all need to smile this morning. Revival looks like family, it looks like peace, it looks like unity, it looks like hard conversations, it looks like loving each other really well, it looks like being humble enough to say you were wrong. You know, something I do and I've learned to do is whenever there's a problem between somebody and me, I will always come back and say, okay, Lord, reveal to me, is there something I also did to play a part in this? Every time, because I'm gonna go into that meeting with humility. Every time, hey, you know what? I think I dropped the ball in, in, this, in this manner too. That was my fault. You know what humility does? It breaks wrath off of people. You walk in humility, it just breaks things. No one wants to fight somebody walking in humility. <laughs> and I would get there and I would say, all right, Lord, show me where I've messed up. Show me where I've made a, a dent in this relationship as well. And maybe that dent is as simple as you just withholding unforgiveness. But it could be, this is why you need other people in your life, okay? You need other people in your life who can tell you that you trust when you're wrong and being, being dumb. Amen? It's usually your spouse. But you need people that way because how many of you know the art of deception is that you don't know you're deceived? When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And you gotta get around some people that love you and say, hey, you know what? I love you, but what you're walking in right now is not good. That's not right. I love you to death. Because you know what we do? We say, well, this is what we've done in the church. We don't confront people walking in sin and walking in nonsense because we say, well, we don't wanna make them mad. Well, that will cause something. No, 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 you have to love your brother enough that listen to me, people living in sin, that's a false peace. You ever realize that some people seem like they have no problems in their life, they don't go to church, they don't do anything, they got good jobs, they got all this stuff going on, they're like, what do I need Jesus for? The reality is that's not a real peace. That's not a real peace. Because what happens is we're so scared to confront one of our brothers in Christ thinking that we're gonna disrupt something, but actually you need to disrupt that. We're called to disrupt this. If someone is cheating on their spouse and everything's just going well and God told me to do this, no, 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 that's a false peace they're walking into. That's not what God's saying and we need to intervene. So sometimes I'm gonna tell you, peace doesn't look like we think it looks like. Because I started thinking a little deeper and I started thinking, well, hold on, Jesus. How you were called the Prince of Peace. <laughs> Some of you see where I'm going. You were called the Prince of Peace. You said, blessed are the peacemakers. You told us to pursue peace, but everywhere you showed up, a riot broke out. <laughs> How does this work? 
It's just that people would gather and then the crowds would get crazy and then he would have to literally get in a boat sometimes and disperse and, and you literally, if you remember when he was at trial and he's sitting there beat and they're saying crucify him, Pilate is getting nervous because he sees that a riot could form if he doesn't do it. So literally the Prince of Peace in a sense looks like he's causing chaos. And then you read on in the Gospels, or excuse me, in the book of Acts, and you see where the apostles would go, would, they, they would shake things up. At times, people were making money off of false gods and, and fortune tellers, and then Paul would show up, and people would get saved and born again, or Peter, and then the people who were making the money off of the nonsense would get mad at them and try to kill them. And it's like, hold on a second. I thought blessed are the peacemakers. I thought Jesus is the prince of peace. I thought he comes to bring peace. Does this make sense for you this morning? And then I read Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 and 36. Well, that confuses all. Number, verse 34, Jesus is speaking. Do not think that I've come to bring peace. What? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Hold on now. What is happening exactly? Let me say it like this. Everyone who does not have a relationship with God is not at peace with God. This is the gospel. Jesus literally goes on to say after this, I've come to turn, look at this, to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. What is going on right here? What he's trying to say that this gospel message is actually disturbing a false peace. The world is in a false peace thinking that there is no hell, there is no God, there is no repercussions for sin and everything's going good and we're scared to share the gospel because it might get a little ugly but it was created to get ugly. And I'm not talking about you being a jerk. You going around just telling everybody, yeah, y'all going to hell, boy. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to tear some things up. No, no, no. The, 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 the message itself is offensive. Jesus is the only way to the Father. The only way. That in and of itself, guys, is causing, people get very upset. You see pastors drop the ball all the time when, they're, when they raise, or, or music people or Christian artists, when they're raised to a high enough level, they finally get on the Ellen Show, they finally get with Larry King, and they're asked real hard questions that might disturb some of the peace, and they, they cower and don't say the real truth. Do you think Jesus is really the only way to heaven and everybody else is going to hell? Well, I think God loves everybody. Hmm. And what are they doing? Trying to keep the peace. But that person doesn't actually have peace with God. Are you following me? Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. What was he saying? He's saying, the world is at odds with God. That's why I came, to build a bridge to bring peace. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's why he calls us to be peacemakers. The gospel itself actually brings peace to people. but there will be many who don't receive it, right? And you see them going around and things getting torn upside down and it's because the gospel in and of itself, they, listen, instead of getting rid of their sin, 
the Pharisees, what did they do? They just got rid of Jesus or tried to. How many of you know they couldn't get rid of him? Instead of listening to the message of the apostles, what did they do? They got rid of the apostles. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no such thing as a Christian who is quiet about their faith. There's no such thing as a Christian who is say, man, I got some friends. We all got some friends. We got some people that we're close to and we don't wanna bring up Jesus because that might offend them. It's a false peace that they're walking in. They think they're okay. They think they're going to heaven and they're not. And if we love the world enough, we would actually be peacemakers and actually tell them the truth. People who think that you can live in certain lifestyles and still go to heaven is not true at all. And when we stand up for the truth and we say, you know what, Jesus is the only way. I've told plenty of people this. Literally, I've been at Dillard's having a conversation with the Muslim man in the shoe department. Nice guy. And you know what I didn't do? Argue, shame him, whatever. We just got to talking. I was trying to buy some shoes, glory to God. And he was just having this conversation and he said, what do you believe? And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And I believe, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, Jesus is cool. Yeah, Jesus is real. No, 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 no. Jesus is God. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. Oh, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, it is. And then he said, well, I had a guy tell me recently, well, I mean, we can, everybody can just be right. We can all be right. No, we cannot all be right. <laughs> okay? We, ha- we have to be willing to understand some things that, that actually as Christians, if we're, actually, if, if we're living at peace and everybody likes us and everything's all good and the whole world just loves us, we're actually probably not living on our faith at all. But I'm not saying you're being a jerk about it. The message itself is offensive. We have to wash the way that we present the message. Me and this guy did not get in a fist fight at the Dillard's. I just politely told him with a smile on my face, yeah, I believe Jesus is the objective truth and he's actually the only way to heaven and there is nobody else going to heaven besides through Jesus Christ. Oh, well, how do you know? I said, well, I know because I have a personal relationship with him. About nine years ago, he touched me in a jail cell and he set me free from my addiction and completely changed my life from the inside out. I know him personally, just like I know my next breath. You couldn't convince me that Maddie doesn't exist. You couldn't convince me that God doesn't exist. I know him. I've experienced him. Church, you need to listen to me. Our kids need an experience and an encounter with God. I see so many kid, people, parents losing their children because their, their children have never had an encounter with God. This is why camp is important. This is why the altar is important. Some of you maybe have never had an encounter with God. This is why it's important to understand that we can have an encounter with him, that we can be touched by him. We are, we are for that. We're for purple books. We're for education, but we are definitely also about encounters with him. Not one or the other, though. Some people like they, the charismatics, we just love all the encounters and we love the speaking in tongues. We love all the feelings, but we don't know the Bible. Our marriages are weak. We don't know how to disciple our own kids. No. Or the other side, we know the Bible really, really, really good, but we don't actually walk in love and we don't actually invite the Holy Spirit into anything. There's a balance. We love the word of God and we also love to experience him himself. Our kids need an experience with him. So as Christians, guys, God is calling us to be peacemakers in our homes, in our families. 
but he's also calling us to shake some things up with the gospel. If you got family members who don't know Jesus, they need to hear the gospel in love, but they probably won't hear it from you though if you've been at odds with them for the last 20 years. <sighs> right? You know, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest pills to swallow sometimes when we're praying for our families and our friends and everything and, and the whole time we're not even willing to hear God say, actually, I'm sending you. Send somebody else, Lord. <laughs> Send Pastor Mike. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, I'll talk to him, I promise. I believe God is calling all of us to talk to people about Jesus. And we cannot be silent any longer. We got certain friends that we don't wanna talk about Jesus of. Why? Because it'll, it'll disrupt the peace. We got certain people we hang out with that we don't talk about Jesus and we act completely differently because there's a peace. No, 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 no. We need to be more concerned about them being at peace with God than we are about having more friends and making it un, not as uncomfortable. Jesus did not do anything that was worried about making things uncomfortable for lost people or the Pharisees. No, and neither did the disciples. They just spoke the truth and whatever happened, happened, right? And they spoke it in love and they also did it with demonstration. We need to move and walk in peace. We need to not be afraid to share the gospel, guys, to share the message with people, to pray with people. We're, man, come on, we're so worried about that person's gonna get offended, this might be weird. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to get to that type of place. It's supposed to disrupt some things because people need to understand that when you're literally living in sin, there is no real peace. Does this make sense? I know it's quiet in here because y'all are thinking about a hundred things y'all probably need to do and that's okay, me too. But can we understand when Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers with our families, with our friends, with one another and also at the same time, he's calling us to share the gospel message with everyone around us, our closest friends. He just, you read that scripture, I've come to turn mother against father, father against son. What did that mean? That means I know people in Bloomington, Indiana, there was a church by Indiana University, and I'll close with this. There was a, I think it was a Hindu kid that was at the college university. And he was coming to the church and actually he just started going to the small groups. About six and a half months, maybe or longer, he finally decided to get born again, signed up to be baptized. And the pastor was asking him and saying, hey, you know, just tell me your story. How'd you get saved? And, and he was like, you know, what, what, what clicked? You know, it seemed like you went to small groups for six or seven months and, and you just now got saved. You know, what happened? Tell me about it. And he said, well, listen, you know, I'm Hindu. And he said, if I truly surrender my life to Jesus, my family is gonna be very angry with me. He said, I had to count the cost, as it says in Luke 14. And I had to realize that I probably, I could lose my family of making this decision for Jesus. So to me, it was a very big decision. I wanted to make sure I was all in. I wanted to make sure that I meant it because I knew it was gonna disrupt some things. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> We have another friend that we know who is a Palestinian Muslim by birth. He literally has gotten born again, come to the Christian faith, and now he's an activist, you know, literally going around and like sharing the gospel and things. And I remember the thing that he was saying before was like his family was trying to kill him for becoming a Christian. 
Do you see what I'm saying? That doesn't seem like peace, does it? But actually, it seems like the message we have will actually bring peace with God between people, and that's what we should be worried about the most, amen? That's what we have to be worried about the most. Diamond was worried about me being born again more than he was worried about me liking him. And I appreciate that. So was my mom. I'd be in my mom's house, sometimes high as a kite. My mom would be in tears. Michael, you gotta stop this. She wasn't there saying, oh, it's okay, honey. You'll get to go to heaven anyways. You got baptized when you're 12. She said, no, Michael, you gotta stop this. Praise the Lord. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Can you stand to your feet? Man, oh man. Blessed are the peacemakers. Somebody say this out loud. Say, I will pursue peace. Hmm. Say, even if it's hard. Hmm. It will be. Did you know, guys, I have people that have called me a wolf in sheep's clothes, all kinds of stuff for just standing up for the gospel and living for Jesus best as I can know how. Jesus said, the servant is not greater than the master. Amen. I know this is a little different than normal, but this is the word of God. And we're gonna preach the whole Bible around here. We know we talk about freedom a lot and we're gonna continue to. But we need to be worried that people are getting set free from their sin and we need to have hopeful expectation for our families, church. We need to have hope. We need to let that song, like it said, let faith arise. We need to believe again. We need to believe that God can get a hold of people and God can restore brothers. Come on. I see God restoring brothers in this next year. I see him restoring sisters, restoring sons and daughters. This is who he is, and it takes some hard stuff. I think first it just takes God getting a hold of you and just letting him say, Jesus, I, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I want to live however you want me to live. And God, if I, if I don't, if my heart is hardened towards people, God, would you please soften my heart? Because I want to love like you. I want people to see you and me more than I want us to do anything else. All right. Oh, I was like, who's playing music? <laughs> oh, God's. Prayer team, would you come? <laughs> like, you guys are amazing. You got another keyboard somewhere? Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, we can do this. We can talk to dad. <laughs> we can talk to mom. Come on. It might take you guys a little. It took me about three and a half months to talk to. It took me a, there's been all kinds of seasons where I've just hardened, man, just, Bitter, hardened, mad at people. God changed me. Because let me, let me make this clear. When you're hardened and bitter, you're blocking God, God's full blessing and favor on your life. 
you are. We want to remove every obstacle, amen? Remove every obstacle. Can you just close your eyes? Some of you might be here today and you're like, man, I'm still lost. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like that song that we sing, it is well with my soul. I want to be able to sing that song and I want to be able to mean that song from the bottom of my heart. I want to know that it is well with my soul. I want to be at peace with God because of what Jesus has done for me. If you need to give your life to Jesus, if you need to believe that he rose from the grave, he died on the cross for sins, rose from the grave, if you need to surrender your life with him, to him and be at peace with God, if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hands. Anyone else? Man, I need to be at peace with God. I need to surrender my life to him. I need salvation this morning. Some of you might be thinking, well, everything's going right. I seem pretty good. I'm here to tell you right now, the Bible says for the wages of sin is death and one day we will stand before God and without Jesus, we will not have peace. Anyone else in this room? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you raise your hand, I just want you to pray. It's not about a, it's not about a prayer. It's not about specific words per se. I love that people call it the sinner's prayer. A sinner's prayer is literally a, someone lost in sin who's praying. So if you raised your hand, would you just repeat after me? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. Today, I make peace with you through the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we just put our hands together for a couple this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ooh, and just keep your eyes closed. I just want to pray over a few more of you. I just, man, let's just take just a moment and let everything just sink in. Whatever got a hold of you this morning, just, Father, I just pray you just go deep. God, I, I thank you for the testimonies that we've already heard and the testimonies we're going to hear about you restoring families, <laughs> about you restoring parents and restoring brothers and and sisters, and restoring relationships even in this church and with friends, God, and doing the most that we can on our part, Lord, to make peace. We love you, Jesus. And God, I just pray, and if you're here and you'd be bold enough to say, man, I just struggle with talking about the gospel or talking about Jesus to anyone. I'm scared of how they're gonna treat me. Would you just lift your hands? Would you be bold enough? Say, man, I'm gonna struggle. I know it's gonna disrupt maybe some things. If that's you, would you just lift your hands? I appreciate y'all's boldness. Father, I just pray for boldness to fall. Could you just keep your hands lifted? I pray for just boldness, a radical, just baptism of Holy Spirit and fire to receive boldness, to be witnesses for you, God, to understand that we want people to be right with you more than we want friendships. We will have a lot better friend if they get born again anyways. Father, I pray that you would just touch your people, give them grace, empower them. Like the Bible says, in that moment, I will give you, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. We love you, Jesus. And if there's anybody else here, if you need prayer for anything else this morning, if you need uh, just healing in your body and you just want somebody to partner with you about anything, you're going through a rough season, our prayer team, our altars are open and you can go ahead and come out of your seat now. You can look at your neighbor for me, say, neighbor, you need prayer for anything?
Say, I'll go with you. Awesome. And can we just put our hands together for Jesus this morning? Come on, isn't he good? He's wonderful. We love you guys. Bless you guys. Hey, next week, we do have a Thanksgiving dinner at 5 p.m. on Sunday. Um, We'd love to have our church family come out and spend time with us just eat dinner together. Also, go see Pastor Herzog and enjoy his wife at the table for the jail ministry. We love you guys. Have an awesome, awesome week. If you need prayer, the altars are open. You're welcome to come. Bless you guys. Thank you.